Welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley. And just a reminder, we are now on every major podcast platform. So find us there. Leave a good review. It's really all we asked for. So we got a lot to get to. It, I will say, yesterday did not disappoint. I said it was going to be a lot, and it was. We might not even be able to get to all of it. We will see. So let's start with the first number that came out yesterday. It was not the Census Bureau. If you get my email in the morning, of course, the companion newsletter to this podcast, I had mentioned, I think I said it on the podcast yesterday, that the Census Bureau data on new home sales, that was coming out at 830 It didn't. It came out at 10 o'clock. So if you were sitting by your computer, you were not alone. I was also sitting by my computer screen waiting for that number to come out. And I was like, where is it? Oh, 10 a.m. All right. So the first number we got was from the Case Schiller Index, or I believe, what's the long title of it? The S&P CoreLogic Case Schiller U.S. National Home Price NSA Index. Actually, I think there's a Dow Jones in there, too, like an S&P Dow Jones CoreLogic. It's a long name. And we talked about Robert Schiller yesterday. He was on CNBC on Friday, and no doubt he'd seen these numbers. He knew what was coming on Tuesday. And he said on Friday, in real terms, the home prices have never been so high. My data goes back over 100 years, so this is something. Now, he did go on to say that within the next three to five years, you could imagine that home prices would be substantially lower than they are now. But not now. Definitely not now and yesterday. Well, this this had housing Twitter in a flutter. I mean, everyone was talking about these numbers. So the numbers come out. Home prices jump 13.2% in April. Now, if you remember in March, just a month ago, 12%. So that is how fast home prices are appreciating. In fact, month over month, just month over month, a 2% gain. I mean, this is just, these are crazy numbers, crazy numbers. Now, Craig Lazara, managing director and global head of index investment strategy at S&P, said in a statement, quote, more than 30 years of S&P CoreLogic K-Shiller data put these results into historical context. The nation's composite 13.2% gain was last exceeded more than 15 years ago. In December 2005, and lies very comfortably in the top decile of historical performance. This unusual strength is reflected across all 20 cities. And I think a lot of people, I mean, this number came out, and just the reaction that I could feel, like I said, housing Twitter was kind of going crazy about this, is there definitely feels people are like concerned. There are people who are worried every month the number gets bigger and bigger and we're seeing 13, 14, some people reporting 20% appreciation. And I think it's freaking people out because people are concerned about inflation. They're concerned about rising housing costs. Our income is going to keep up with this. And if not, we're going to have a big problem probably sooner rather than later, prices keep appreciating this quickly and incomes aren't appreciating at that same pace. And so it feels like there are people who are worried out there about what is happening. So that number came out at nine o'clock. And then at 10 o'clock, we got the Census Bureau data looking at new home sales. And not surprisingly, like pretty much every other report we have seen for at least five or six months, home, or, or I should say, for the most part, Because actually last month, the Census Bureau did report a a slight uptick 
in home sales. But for the most part, because of the inventory levels, home sales are actually down. And that was the case in the Census Bureau report that reported that sales of new single-family houses were at a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 863,000, which is 5.9%, or it's a drop of 5.9% compared to the last month. Now, of course, year over year, because if you remember last year, the housing, well, everything had shut down. And so what we saw was a huge jump from April 2020 up 48.3%, but eh, you can't really compare it because everything was was pretty much shut down. What was really fascinating about this report was kind of the below the headline because everyone was talking about, oh, sales are down, sales are down. But it's looking at the prices and inventory that I think are the most important to the industry. So like I said, sales were down, but prices were way up. The median sales price of new houses sold in April 2021 was $372,400. That is a 20% jump from April 2020. So there's that 20% appreciation we were just talking about. Now, the average sales price was $435,400. This is a 17.2% increase from the same time last year. Now, I will... I do want to point this out because there is a theory and a lot of people, I would say, just reading Facebook posts and you know Facebook posts under or comments under news stories is that there's this this sort of speculation that a lot of people are moving from outside of, say, southern areas or even in the Midwest, and they're moving from coastal areas on either the west or uh, the northeast. And so because their baseline of what houses should cost is higher, that when they move somewhere and say the South that it's leading them. They're, they're jacking up the price of homes and that plays a part, but that also assumes that you'd be seeing this mass exodus from the Northeast, which there are a lot of people leaving. I mean, there's a reason why New York lost a congressional seat, but when you look at the Northeast data, that data is even better (laughs) than what's happening in the South. So it's not like every single person is moving from the Northeast and coming here and inflating our housing prices. The Northeast housing market is actually appreciating at a faster rate than what's happening in the South. And the same thing on the West. So it's that's a part of it. But you're also just seeing natural price appreciation because of, once again, supply and demand, a big imbalance there with a lot more demand, not enough supply. So here is the good news. The inventory levels did offer a glimmer of hope for a lot of real estate agents out there who are just dying to get some inventory. So month over month, the seasonally adjusted estimate um, or estimate, excuse me, of new houses for sale was 316,000 at the end of April. That represents a supply of 4.4 months. That is a 10% jump from last month. So that's, that's good. Double digit, double digit. Uh, increase, we will take it. Now, not surprisingly, even with that big 10% jump, the inventory levels are down 33% from where they were last year. So inventories, we are seeing a slight uptick. And I saw the same thing from uh, a new report from Altos Research that showed the same thing, that maybe we've bottomed out. And I think that that's probably a safe assumption because the way that homes are appreciating it's pulling people off the sidelines. You have two factors here. You have one, people who are kind of you know really awakening 
from COVID. I mean, we're really seeing things start to reopen. I was out today or really all week. I don't even have a mask on me anymore. Everywhere I went, nobody required a mask. So you're still seeing a lot of people wear masks, but people are just, I I don't even carry one on me. And I was the big mask guy. Like I was all about, hey, I'm going to wear a mask. I'll wear a mask. I wasn't anti-mask at all, but I'm like, all right, I got my shot. It's nice weather. What's the point? So I don't even carry a mask on me. I don't even have one in my car. I'm kind of worried when when I get confronted, I'm going to be like, I don't have a mask. But so things are reopening. And I think people are saying, all right, I'm going to let people in my home to look at my house. There were some people that maybe were were not comfortable with people coming through their house and and, and looking around. And then you have people who are sitting there going, oh my God, I can get what from my house? All right, let's put it on the market. Let's sell. Maybe people that were thinking about moving somewhere else, downgrading or upgrading or whatever it may be. And yeah, it is tough to do because we're seeing price appreciation across the board. So it's, it's, it's extremely hard to upgrade because you're going to have to have a major upgrade and it may be hard to downgrade because you, you know, good luck finding a house in that price range. But I do think that there are some people who are going, Oh, I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I'll list the house for that. And so it is saying people are seeing what these houses are selling for and going, uh, yeah, we'll put that on the market. So I think we may have bottomed out. Never say never with the craziness of this housing market and what's happening. And there's so many factors that are involved. Obviously, lumber playing a part. Uh, Once again, we saw some good news. Looks like lumber does seem to still be somewhat trending downward. And maybe we'll see some other commodities kind of follow suit. And that will then encourage builders and get more supply out there and kind of cool things off. Not completely. But we're scorching red hot housing market right now. So that would just kind of slow things down. But speaking of the crazy housing market, there was a awesome Twitter thread yesterday by Glenn Kelman, who is the CEO of Redfin. And it's 15 tweets. And it's in the newsletter this morning. So if you want to check it out, you can go there. But I wanted to go through some of them, if not all of them. Because there's basically, I think, 13 or 14 statistics here in which he talks about just this, the bizarre reality of this housing market. It's doing a lot of things all at once that maybe don't make sense. So he starts off by, and this is kind of funny because this is where I grew up. This is where I spent the first 17 years of my life. And when I saw that, I said, oh, absolutely. So uh, Kelman starts the thread off by saying it's been hard to convey through anecdotes or data how bizarre the housing market has become. For example, a Bethesda, Maryland home buyer working with Redfin included in her written offer a pledge to name her firstborn child after the seller. No, it didn't work. She lost. <laughs> I'm not sure. I guess maybe if you have a big ego, you're like, ah, oh, yes. I would like a child that is not mine to be named after me. I don't know. Maybe would it be the whole name or just the first name or what, what, what's included there in that contract. But I would think that whoever had the best, the, the highest bid would be the one that wins the house. You know, thank you for wanting to name your first child after me, but I'm actually going to uh, uh, go with the higher offer here. So that was how the thread started. And I saw Bethesda, Maryland. And I was like, oh, okay, gotcha. So the second uh, pointy point the second tweet and we're going to go through them he says two there are now realtors there are now more realtors than listings now this has been true for a while 
This was reported, I think, either at the start of this year. I think it was the start of this year where all these people were seeing kind of the dollar signs in real estate and saying, hey, I'm going to go do that. It makes sense. And I mean, I guess you could include me in that group. I mean, I, I, I kind of got on board right in the middle of last summer before things really got crazy. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm one of them. I'm one of the people who just recently got into the business. Obviously, being in the mortgage side, it's a little different. And I haven't heard anything. Are there more mortgage brokers and bankers now than there are people out there buying houses? <laughs> that would worry me. Uh, number three, inventory is down 37% year over year to a record low. The typical home sells in 17 days, a record low. Home prices are up on a record amount. year over year. Of course, that's a record high. And still, homes sell on average for 1.7% higher than the asking price. (laughs) Another record. So four, he says, but in two of America's largest cities, inventory has increased in New York by 28% and in San Francisco by 77%. This was the largest inventory increase since 2008. And still in both markets, prices are increasing. And I think it's also because prices probably bottomed out. Because if you think of, especially in New York, when people were, were thinking of where they wanted to go, that is without question, people were, I'm getting out of New York City. And so the fact that you're seeing prices increase, it's sort of this base effect that you're going to hear a lot about, we've talked about, which is you're basing it off of a number that was kind of an anomaly. It was kind of a, a, a weird situation. And so I would bet, but San Francisco, I don't know. I didn't, I mean, I know California kind of locked down. I don't know what happened in San Francisco. I know that New York got a lot of the attention. So I'm not sure if San Francisco's in the same boat, but San Francisco real estate is just a whole other beast entirely. Now, he also says in 2020, new construction permits were down 13% in DC, or I should say we're down 13% in DC and New York, 40% in LA, 48% in Chicago. in Seattle and 79% in San Francisco. Well, I just got my question. (laughs) Why is real estate up? Well, because building permits are down. Inventory issues. Here's the good news. Permits were up in Miami, 25%. In Vegas, 56%. In Greenville, 96%. Detroit, 122%. And Knoxville, 246%. He also mentions lumber is up 300%. Redfin's annual survey of nearly 2,000 home buyers, 63% reported having a bid on a home they had not seen in person. In an April survey of 600 Redfin users who had relocated in the past year, about two-thirds of the people who moved got a house the same size or bigger, but about the same proportion, two-thirds spent the same or less on housing. Now, even though most of the people who moved, got a bigger home, 78% reported having the same or more disposable income after their move. Idaho home prices could triple and still seem affordable to a Californian. Makes sense. Now, for low-tax states, four people moved in for every one who left. For Texas, that ratio is 5 to 1, and Florida, 7 to 1. Cities and states have no leverage to raise taxes after many promised new money for social justice. The federal government will have to fund long-term investments. They also mentioned the migration to lower-cost areas may lead to lower workforce participation. Many families, Redfin says, has relocated. The money saved on housing costs lets one parent stop working. 
and a wave of Redfin customers said they're retiring early. Now, we're also hearing, and I can back this up. This, this is true. Lenders are calling employers to confirm that the home buyer will have permission to work remotely when the pandemic ends. Rates are lower for loans on primary residences, and the lender also wants to make sure the borrower actually plans to work after getting the loan. Very true. That's a good thing. That's, that's good. That's what you want. You want to make sure you're not giving out bad loans and people are lying trying to get loans. That's what led to 2008. You don't want that to happen again. Now, the average housing budget for an out-of-towner moving to Nashville was $720,000. That is 50% higher than a local's budget. Kelman tweets, it used to be coastal elites who were worried that every adult in the family had to win a career lottery just to afford a home. Now there's concern that feeling may spread. Now he closes by saying it's not just income that's K-shaped, but mobility. 90% of people earning 100,000 plus per year expect to be able to work virtually compared to 10% of those earning 40,000 or less. The folks who need low-cost housing the most have the least flexibility to move. An investor recently said with the ancient touch of awe, but also agreed that one source of America's miraculous economic recovery was the bounty of the land itself. We have more room to grow than we ever imagined. We just have to make sure that it benefits everyone. And I will say that there was some, that was a Twitter thread from Glenn Kelman that it's in the newsletter. I highly recommend you go check it out. All the data is there. Very fascinating. Just because there's so many weird things happening. It's not just like all the same thing. I mean, some places you're seeing building permits skyrocket. Other other places they're plummeting. We are seeing prices skyrocket you know, across the country. But like I said, places like the new, the Northeast and the West, where we're told everyone's moving from, are seeing some of the highest home appreciation. <laughs> so there's just a lot of conflicting data. And I think that's what has a lot of people worried because it's not so simple. Then you have the Fed policy. What's the Fed going to be doing? Yesterday, Morgan Stanley CEO James Gorman said he expects the U.S. Federal Reserve to begin tapering its bond buying toward the end of this year and start raising interest rates in early 2022. But what's fascinating is we've also, I saw, now I can't find the article. I I thought I had it queued up. I don't have it queued up. But it was from one of the presidents of the Federal Reserve Bank who said that, yeah, I mean, they would be prepared for something like that possible tightening happening sooner rather than later, but they're not seeing any signs that that needs to be done. So it's a lot of conflicting data. You have some people in finance saying, oh yeah, definitely the Fed's going to do earlier than what they're saying. And then people from the Fed saying, no, we're not going to be doing that. So that I think is what has people concerned. They're, They're a little concerned. Now, that being said, speaking of concern, consumer confidence also came out yesterday, and that was little changed in May as optimism retreated on expectations for deaccelerating growth and softening labor market conditions. So some people are worried about that jobs report. Why aren't more people working? If we're going to have this five, six, seven, eight percent growth for the year, people need to be working in order for that to happen. So why isn't that happening? So all this is just conflicting data, just worrying people. And I think it does matter kind of where you are. There are places who, yeah, I mean, could there be a small bubble where you're going to see a retreat? I mean, you have people like Robert Schiller saying that in five years, housing prices are going to be down. 
from where they are. Now, when does that start? I have no idea. I mean, does anyone see any evidence that these housing prices are going to start moving the opposite direction? I don't. I mean, these these reports show that very thing. And it's not as needs to be repeated. It's not the same thing as 2008 where it's, oh, all these bad loans are out there. Where people who are getting loans that shouldn't be. Now, I did see one, one of the concerns that I did see was that because home prices are just skyrocketing and people are getting these loans, so they may be fine, right? Let's say they put 20% down, they get a loan, then all of a sudden their house loses 20% of value. Now, all of a sudden, they have no equity in the house. And that's, that's when things start becoming problematic. But these are good borrowers. I mean, we are seeing no signs of bad lending happening. And so somebody who is smart and is in a house, and let's say the housing prices drop somewhat, I mean, let's say it is dramatic. Let's say it is 10, 20%. I mean, they're still going to realize that what's the alternative? I mean, finding a way to get out of the house. I mean, maybe selling it and breaking even, buying another one. I mean, it, it's more than likely they're going to say, okay, let's just stay here. And once again, the market will turn around. It always does, right? You have a stock market correction. Stocks go back up. I mean, this idea that 20 years from now, housing prices are going to be less than they are now is insane. Or even 10 years. No, no one's going to argue that. But five years, I mean, yeah, could you see a correction? Corrections happen. No doubt about that. I do want to point out before we run out of time, Bloomberg reported, and this is what I like to see because we're in this middle of this craziness where you are hearing stories about people getting into house flipping again, which always freaks people out because that's when you start seeing problems. That's what, that's really, you know, you need 2008 when reality TV shows started prop, you know, popping up uh, about an activity that just didn't make a lot of sense to people. You start getting worried, but this made me, this comforted me because as I said before, you know, you know, we're not hearing stories about bad loans. There's just a concern about maybe a market correction. State and cities are cracking down on a niche in the housing flipping or in-house flipping known as wholesaling. And so this is something that's caught the attention of, like I said, lawmakers and they're cracking down on it. And so it's not this sort of unfettered, laissez-faire not that i not that i don't like either of those things i do like unfettered capitalism and i do like laissez-faire markets but lawmakers are saying you know what we don't like this this is concerning us this could get out of hand and so they're cracking down on uh wholesaling which they say may be targeting and going after low-income individuals trying to trick them in a way that gets them out of their house or whatever it is whatever whatever scam they're running because wholesaling is legal but they argue that some people are are doing some not so legal things. And so it's not like people have just turned their back on the housing market and just like, oh, let it go, let it run. As what happened in the mid-aughts. That's not happening now. They're still cracking down on things. They're still making sure good loans are, are out there. So it's just, I, I get it though. But as I said, people are concerned because of all this conflicting data. You got what the Fed's saying. You got what other economists are saying. You you got some places permits are up. Other places permits are down. Inventory's moving up, build, but builders aren't building. Lumber may be moving down, but then it goes back up. Other commodities are going up. It just it's There's just a lot of conflicting data. There's a lot going on at once. And so whenever that happens, people get a little, a little nervous. So I get it. I get it. I think that's a natural reaction. But what we want to do here on this podcast is talk about the data. 
and what's actually happening. And so as of right now, things look okay. <laughs> Inventory's moving back up. Home prices are up and it makes sense. I will let you know when it doesn't. But as of right now, everything seems above board. All right, we got to go. We're out of time. See, I knew this one was going to go over 20 minutes. I knew it. It's a long podcast today. I don't think there's anything coming out. Or I should say there's nothing coming out today. <laughs> there's all the data that came out yesterday. I don't think there's anything coming out today, at least, that I have been paying attention to. So tomorrow might be a little shorter to, uh, to balance out today's longer podcast all right you guys enjoy your wednesday stay cool i think it's still going to be warm no matter where you are and we'll see you back here thursday morning and remember do not wait to buy real estate you buy real estate and wait